0: dot com forward slash give you can do that from your phone or a computer if you happen to bring one of them and uh, and so a few different ways to give I just I had this phrase in this morning as I was on my way here and I would tell you just like just like prayer and just like many other things so many of the, 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 the things God gives us the commands God gives us uh, are prescriptive meaning that they, they are in uh, they are a solution to a problem of our of our sinful nature meaning that there is a that, that giving is actually a way to counteract our desire, come on now, to be a bit selfish with what we have. Come on, I got a three-year-old. I know we are we are born this way, y'all. Like there's, there's something about us, and it just never seems to go away, does it? And there's something about a believer, someone who follows Jesus that should be generous because it is countercultural. There's something in us, this new nature that Paul says that we should put on. And, 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 and it's this idea that, that, that we are generous people, giving people. And so tithing, while it sounds like a really religious word and really heavy word, the word itself just simply means the tenth. So it's not even like, there's nothing super spiritual about the word. The, the idea, though, of giving, just like prayer, just like seeking first the kingdom and all these things will, should be, should be, will be added unto you. If you. Again, if you look at the, the context of that verse, it's all about worry. So why is he telling you to seek first? So you'll stop worrying. When you seek everything else, you get worried. When you seek him, all of a sudden those things begin to fade away. And the same with finances. When we begin to give, when we are generous people, all of a sudden the stuff that keeps us locked up because it's hard to be helpful to people with your hands and fists closed around what you have. Um, And so for me, tithing is a testament to trust. Tithing is a testament to our trust. Do we trust God with what we have? And and I believe God wants to do with what uh, with what you have more than what you can do yourself. And um, in the lives of other people, it ain't always just about us. So I just want to encourage you to give this morning. Uh, let's be faithful people, and uh, let us let us be people who realize God is not asking us to do things to hurt us or to weigh us down or to make things difficult. It's like when I tell my son to put his pants on, uh, it is not because I want him to look weird. It's because I don't want him to look weird when we go in public and he's wearing his Ninja Turtle underwear. You know? Like, it. listen, the reason God gives you these things is not so that he can weigh you down or make you feel strange or make you feel out of place. It's so that you can actually begin to activate the part of your life that is most you. Amen? Come on, we're on a roll this morning. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for today. I'm so thankful that we are part of this amazing church. I'm so blessed and honored to be a part of this incredible group of people. And I pray that we never, ever, ever take this moment for granted. That we never, ever, ever think that Sunday morning at 1030 is just another spot on the calendar. But God, that this is a moment where we gather as a people, as the body of Christ, and lift up the name of Jesus. And in those moments, Holy Spirit, you speak to our hearts and you really begin to remind us of who we are because you remind us of who Jesus is. And so I pray that this morning as we give, as we listen, as we open our Bible, as we worship, Lord, in all those things, that you would be lifted up. And in lifting you up, we would discover who we really are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Go ahead and give if you'd like. Worship team, thank you guys. You're amazing. And uh, and if one of the guys could grab that. Oh, Amanda, look at you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Give it up for Amanda, one of our service directors. Well done. Um, I, y'all, I brought out my old, my beat-up Bible, my New Living Translation. Some of you guys are like, yeah, because you read the Bible a lot. No, I think I dropped it. I think I, I dropped it and it got all messed up. Um, but my New Living Translation, I've been reading out of one that you've probably heard of, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Uh, no, I know you haven't heard of it. Uh, it just seems to be the one I've been liking a lot lately. Um, I don't think one is more anointed than the other. Uh, but Ephesians chapter two is one of my favorite verses as well. So I'm bringing out my new living translation, uh, so that I can share one of my favorite verses. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to do this. If you're, if you're hanging out with us and, and again, like I said, if, if, Jesus is not yet your thing, um, then that's fine. I'm, I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad you gave it a chance this morning and I'm hoping that God speaks to your heart. Um, and that you, you find something today that maybe you hadn't found before. Um, if you are following Jesus and that's your thing, then come on, let's press in. Amen? Amen? It's going to be a good day. Ephesians chapter 2. Everybody go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're starting a series today called uh, Contrast. And uh, uh, we are, you know, I'm not going to go to the verse just yet, Connor. Thank you so much, buddy. Um, I, don't want you, I don't want you guys to see the verse before I talk about it. Um, <laughs> but we are, uh, we, we are starting a new series called Contrast, and the reason we're starting this series is because I want to define for us some things that I think are really, really important as a church, and, and not just our church, but as the church. Um, there will be some things that I talk about uh, regarding our church specifically but I want us to understand that the community of Christ, the community that builds their community around Jesus, should be a community that has a difference to it. right? It should be a community that has something tangibly different. And so I wanted us to spend a few weeks talking about this idea that we are a contrasting community. We are very much like everyone else in the world. We are people. We have our struggles. We have our issues. We have our hurts. We have our vision and our dreams. We have our wants and our desires. We have our needs. We, we all are people. And yet at the same time, when we decide to follow Jesus, there is something that should change about us. And maybe one of the the things that changes the most about us is how we do life in community, how we do life around people, how we do life with people. It should be one of the distinguishing characteristics of anyone who says Jesus is Lord. And so for us, I want to just spend a few weeks, if you guys are good with this, Uh, Spend a few weeks talking about what does that contrast look like? What is that distinction about the community uh, of Christ? I heard last week was awesome closing out our Speak series. Uh, It was a bit different. We did a little panel, had a little question time, but I heard it was really, really, really good. And I've heard a few people quote different things that were said. And I love doing that. I know it's great to have a preacher up here, but um, I love being able to get people up here and just talk through stuff. And uh, I don't think it happens enough. I think sometimes we think the only way you can talk about Jesus is if you have a mic in your hand and a bible open and you're talking in front of people i think one of the most powerful ways to talk about jesus is when you're just honest with each other and talking about where you're at and uh and so i don't think the world needs a bunch of people perfect people talking about jesus i think the world needs a bunch of uh uh, people just trying to do life talking about jesus i think it actually gives it more validity and more integrity and so i don't know where i went with why i went there but let's let's it's okay if you're if you're uh, if you're new to us, you you won't know this, but this verse has kind of come up in the life of our church for a long time. It's a it's an important verse for us. Uh, it's shaped a lot of what we do and a lot of what we say. And so I'm excited to preach it because every time I preach this verse, I get really I just get really amped, really excited. And so I'm I'm hoping you you you'll go with me this morning. But Ephesians chapter two, are you ready? Are you there? Yeah. Ephesians chapter two, verse nineteen. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. And this is what it says. So now you Gentiles, everybody look to the person next to you, and there's a really good chance this is everyone. It's not completely sure, but there's a really good chance this is everyone. I want you to look to your person next to you and go, you're a Gentile. I just want you to know that. If you think it's a bad word, we'll talk about it. But you are a Gentile, y'all. Like the, the, the word simply meant anyone who was not uh, Jewish meaning the chosen people so so we were all Gentiles so Paul is writing this letter to a bunch of people who for so long they thought they were on the outside looking in and for so long thought that they were the the people who were not going to be a part of God's plan and for so long, and so Paul writes these letters especially through Galatians Ephesians Philippians and Colossians he writes these letters to these groups of people reaffirming and really making sure they understand that you are part of this thing those who were near are near and those who are far are near. And it was one of these things that, that Paul is really hammering as he writes these letters to people and, and to a group of people. And so he says, so now you Gentiles, come on now, be proud, it's all good, are no longer, this has got to be cool for them to hear this, I'm just saying. They opened and it wasn't like that he sent a voice message, he, he wrote them a letter. It's got to be cool to be the first one to read this letter, right? So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers, And foreigners. You're not on the outside looking in. You, 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 You are very much citizens along with all of God's holy people. He affirms it even more saying you are members of God's family. Now, I know for us, we've heard this, so we're kind of like, okay, that's cool. But you've got to understand, there's a group of people sitting here thinking for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds until it hits thousands of years, there was a people who thought there's no way we're in. And here, all of a sudden, here's this guy telling them about this Jesus who died and rose again and said everyone, everywhere, gets the gospel, the good news. And he's writing this letter, and these people are reading and hearing that they're part of the family. I don't know if you've ever felt like you were on the outside looking in. But that's where these people were at. And some of you walk in here going, uh, so the church I go to is like quieter and we stand up a bunch of times. Or they really like the organ. They spend a lot of money on that organ. And it, I'm sorry, it doesn't sound good. And whatever reason. And I'm, not, I'm saying you said that. I didn't say that. Um, it, what, so you, you're even standing here going, I'm not sure about, it. listen, we're all part of God's family, and the diversity we find in it is actually the strength of it. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. You are part of God's family. Verse 20, we are his house, everybody say his house. his house. We are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone, the most important piece, is Jesus himself. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you you gentiles I just dare you to walk up to each other on a regular basis. Say, What's up, Gentile? You Gentiles are also joined together as part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Now there's a lot happening in that verse uh, which is at, but what's one of the most incredible parts of it is that he 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 mentions the prophets and the apostles and he mentions Jesus as part of this building and then he says and you also are part of that building. Like Jesus right off the bat Paul is reminding us that Jesus, right off the bat, is not a respecter of persons, but that he has put in each and every single one of us a distinct calling and purpose to be part of the house of God that we all would add value to what God is doing. Some of you don't think that's cool. I think that's awesome. That these apostles and prophets that we read about and we hear about, I'm part of the same house. I didn't get, like, another house. I didn't get sat at the little kids' table. Like, I'm part of the house, and Jesus, the cornerstone, man, that's a cool thing, so Mary and I, like I told you, Mary and I got to go to San Francisco this past weekend, and, um, I didn't tell her we were doing it. We, You know, it's one of those things, when, when you're married, you kind of talk about things, and and th- sometimes there are things that you probably shouldn't do, because finances or whatever, and and so it was one of those, we, Meredith and I kept talking about, we hadn't taken a vacation in years and years and years, especially without kids. In fact, the last vacation we took with our child was like one of the worst three days, of my, like it was terrible. And, um, and Mallory was there, she, was, she knows, and uh, taking your two-year-old on a subway, just, it doesn't work. Um, they don't understand. Why they're, the things moving, but they can't move, and uh, and so it was it was that was rough. So we finally we got away. In, in fact, one of the things we did was just sit on a grassy hill for like two hours. We didn't even say anything to each other. We were like, "This is heaven," and there was like it was water, and you see the Golden Gate Bridge. We sit in front of Jiradeli Square, and we'd gone to Alcatraz. We just were tourists, like all about the tourist thing. Like we weren't trying to find the hidden spots. We just wanted to do what tourists do, and because it's perfectly laid out, this is what you do, and so we did that, and uh, we just. Sat on grass, like seriously, that's what we did. We sat on some grass and looked at each other and smiled, and just felt the touch of God, right? And um, and so, so we were just hanging out. And 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 one of the things that you find out, if you've ever anybody ever stayed in a hotel, all right, and um, now you do the Airbnb thing and that's cool, but something about a hotel. I think hotels are funny, um, and a hotel and a home are incredibly different. Like, they want you to feel at home at a hotel, but there's things about a hotel that cannot ever feel like home, right? Now, some of you think hotels like home because someone else made the bed for you, right? But that, no. Like, there's something about a hotel, like getting in the elevator. You know, you getting in an elevator at the hotel and, like, you don't know if you're supposed to talk to the people that are standing three feet from your face or not. Like, you don't know if you're supposed to hold a conversation. And then you need to say something to your spouse or to your friend, and you're not sure how loud you're supposed to say it. Like, is this library volume, or is, is this, like, party volume? Like, what am I supposed to do? Can I talk normally or not? Please tell me you struggle with this. Right? You, you Yeah, well, John, you do that anywhere. And, uh, like, just now. And, like, like you just, you just, you just, and I, you know, you whisper, like, You know, like, just, you don't want, because, you know, you're talking private stuff, and like, if you walk out of your hotel room into those amazingly wide, I mean, narrow hallways, right, like, of course you should make them narrow, because people are, you know, five at a time walking through there with suitcases, like, of course you should keep them narrow, and... And and when someone else walks out of their hotel room at the same time you walk out of your hotel room, and you're really frustrated by that because you know that means you got to get in the the, the elevator with them. And if you were on, like us, on the 14th floor, and some of you think I'm just a bad person who doesn't like people, but if you're on like the 14th floor, you got to go 14 floors of awkward, weird silence. And then you get out of the elevator, and for some reason you feel like you got to go have a good one. Right? You didn't say anything the whole way down. And then you get out and you're like, hey, have a good time, okay? Uh, yep. Yeah. And uh, it's just a weird, like, it's, hotels are weird, man. Like at a hotel, if you walk into your hotel room and never come out, nobody's going to say anything. In fact, people might be happy about it. Right? Like you just go in your hotel room, you just, you just stay there. Ain't nobody going to say anything. If, I, if you do that in a house... If you walk into your house, if I walked into my house on a Tuesday afternoon and just walked in and walked straight to the bedroom, closed the door, and didn't come out, I hope my wife thought something was wrong. Right? Like, I would hope that's not normal. Like, there's something different about a hotel and a home. There's something about a home that requires of us this, this willingness to participate in the life of anyone else who is in that home. This willingness and desire to actually do life together, like if, if at a hotel, if I just walked into the restaurant and sat at someone else's table and said, what's up, y'all, like that would be weird. But if I walked into my house and my wife and my kid are sitting at the table, I would join them, and that would be completely and totally normal. There's something different about a hotel and a house. And I actually think that the church should feel much more like a home than a hotel, Like, I I don't want a church where we go our separate ways on a Sunday and we lock ourselves in our room and nobody notices. I I don't want us to walk out of our hotel room and see someone else walk out of their hotel room and go, well, I don't dress like them, talk like them, walk like them. I don't like their luggage, and I'm pretty sure they don't like me, so I'm not going to go. No, that's. I want this to be a home where you are forced to participate in the life that is happening underneath this home because in a home, we all contribute to the life of that home. And the thing about a hotel that's also strange is you can have hundreds and hundreds of people together but not together. Like, I didn't walk away from this three-day weekend staying at the same hotel for three nights like with new friends. And, and I know maybe I should have just tried harder. I don't know. Uh, but you, know, you don't walk out of these places going, well, we're all best friends now. We're, gonna, we're like family. No, there's something about a hotel that keeps people separate. There's something about a home that requires of us to be together. In fact, we, we read it in, in pre-service prayer this morning. That, that, that In Acts 2.1, it says, then the disciples were together in one place. That's redundant unless you understand that he's not saying the same thing. He's saying they were together, united in one place. So when we come together on a Sunday morning, it's not just to be together. It's to be together. We're not just here to be in one place. We're here to be together in one place. And I think that's one of the contrasting uh, distinctions of, of the church is that you can have a bunch of people from a bunch of different walks of life, from a bunch of different places who can come together and be a home. Now now here's the thing. I, I don't think the world is actually very bad at getting people together. In fact, we're going to see it tonight as we watch the Super Bowl. Go Falcons. Come on, y'all. And um, I, don't, I really have no allegiance there, but i got friends who like Atlanta, so we'll go there. And, and, and uh, we, we, we are not a world or a culture that struggles to get people together. I think sometimes we think church is strictly so that people can find community. And while on, on, we, we talk about that a lot, I think it's important and it's valuable and it matters. I think the community is centered upon something completely different than just simply being together. I think if you read the Bible, if you read all these authors talking about Jesus, talking about God, you, you find that, that, that it's rarely just about getting the people of God together, but that it's, it, there's something about the people of God being together for a purpose and under a name that makes it valuable. It, it, like, I, I don't have to look all throughout the city, you're going to find different places packed with people tonight. Packed. Like we're not bad at getting together. I could drive by certain bars on a Tuesday night and the the parking lot is packed. We're not bad at getting together. What we're bad at is getting together. Like being united. Like going to a place where no matter what happens, we're still together. And and what I've found is that that, that what we really want when we come together is not just a place where other people are like, like like if someone just showed up here on a Sunday morning and was like you know I just needed a place that where other people were on Sunday at a 10 30 like I think there's other options no I like quite frankly there are other options where you could just be where other people are right? Yeah. Right, right 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 now you can go to the mall you can go get a good coffee like you there's a lot of places where people are already There's something else you're looking for when you show up on a Sunday morning at a 1030 or whatever time it is. There's something you you are desiring that's different than just people. Are you with me? Something different. What is that? difference. And I would, I would say that most people, non-Christian and Christian alike, churched and unchurched alike, are coming on a Sunday morning, not again, just to fulfill a particular obligation to a certain type of faith, but they are actually wanting, at the deepest part of them, an encounter with a living God. Yeah. That, 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 that we are not just looking to get together, but we are actually looking to get together in one place so that, like in Acts 2, that God would show up in a way we've never experienced before. And in fact, if that's not what we're looking for, there will come a time where we've gotten together and we've gotten together and we've gotten together and we've gotten together and we'll begin to get frustrated with it or we'll get burnt out on it or we'll just get, we'll move on from it because it's not really doing what we expected to do because really what this should be is a gathering of people where God shows up. That's what people are wanting. And I actually think, and I actually just read a study over the last couple weeks that, that There's a a lot of people that are showing up in church wanting the presence of God and being disappointed. And so they're going and searching out other things to satisfy that desire and that want. The desire of the church, the hope of the church is what Ephesians says it is. That it would be a place where the spirit of God, where the presence of God dwells. Isn't that? I mean, that seems to me like a really, really big, big responsibility. It it, it seems to me like a massive opportunity. That this verse, Ephesians two twenty and twenty one, talks through this idea. In twenty two, says that through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of this dwelling, where God lives by His Spirit. Now I know for some of us, we, we may not admit that our want is to encounter God, because that sounds really deep, or even for some of us weird. We don't even sure what that looks like. I don't know if you've ever had to ask somebody what they want, and they don't tell you until you ask them for the third time. My son has gotten that in the DNA from my wife. Uh, what do you want? Well, I want this? You sure you want that? Yeah, I want this. And then you get like last night, last night, uh, I was handed a cheese stick with one bite, one bite taken out of it. I got I was basically a whole cheese stick. And it was my son. I was like, "What are you what are you doing? You said you wanted this. I don't want it." I said, "But you said you wanted it. You need to eat it." And no, I don't want it. I said, "You need to no, okay, I'll take that." It was good. And so I just went ahead and took care of it. But so many of us we're not sure what we want, but I would tell you this, and I would just venture to guess that yes, you want to be together with people, but what you really want on a Sunday morning, but really, whether you meet at a dinner party or a Sunday morning at church or whether you're having coffee or something, what you really want when you gather with people who call Jesus Lord, those people who say that God is living and active in our lives, what we really want in those moments is to encounter something different than what we encounter when we're with other people. And in fact, if there isn't that difference, then what in the world are they rearranging their life to meet us here for? Why would we tell someone to wake up on a Sunday, their only day off, to get to church if they aren't in that moment experiencing something that they'd not experienced any other time in the week? Now, I'm not telling you, please understand, I'm not telling you that God isn't with you when you're not here. Some of you guys, I'm not. that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is just like cheering for a football game with friends is, is that sometimes a more fuller experience of watching just like that, there is a time when we gather as a people to lift up the name of Jesus. There's something that happens in those moments when we let go of our own desires and our own wants and our own frustrations and our own, all. The, when we let go of those things that we actually let God be God. And when we do it with other people and we let our guard down and we let our, 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 all the stuff that comes on us during the week and we just kind of go, man, I'm I'm pursuing this with a bunch of people who are pursuing the same thing. There's something about those moments that should be distinct, and it should be in contrast to anything else you would find anywhere else. Now, there's a few key words that I think are really, really important about this verse that, that you and I must, must, must understand. We must get these words because they're, they're big words in a, in, in a verse that I think really should sum up what the church looks like. And we'll just hang out in those, those same verses. We're not going anywhere else today. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you gen- I'm reading it again, I know. You've already been like, I've I've heard it before. I know, I'm just going to read it again. It's, this is better than what I'm saying. Through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of this dwelling where God lives. Now the word dwelling in this verse is not just talking about a, a place where he dwelt for a moment. and just it, this, this dwelling has something of a, a, a tone of permanence. There's something about this word that means it is, it is forever. That there's something about this word, that's why you see the word house just a verse earlier. That there's something about this where it is God lives there. It's a it's a strong word. This is not a word that's saying God is here for a moment and gone again. But that when we gather together, this is this is God, this God dwells in that place and He actually lives in that place. I don't know about you, my, my family has a very distinct way of hanging out. My wife and I have very different families, both amazing families, but very different families. Hang out with uh, uh, my family. You will know from the very beginning it's okay to yell, like it's okay to be loud. It's okay to be loud about things you really shouldn't be loud about. It's okay to say things out of nowhere, and it's okay to say strange things out of nowhere. It is just part of the deal. It's it's how I'm raising my kids, y'all. Like you're gonna hear Case and say some weird stuff, and it's okay because we're family. But you walk into my house, you walk into my parents' house, you walk into our Christmas dinner, man, you are going to need earplugs. It is going to be loud. And that's okay. We, we celebrate everything. Like, everything. Like, when we're opening presents, man, Casey could make one rip of the pa- Like, he hadn't even opened the thing. Just one rip of the paper. Yeah! Come on, Gason. You did it. Keep going. You got this. It becomes like a track meet. Like we are, it, it is just, it is, that's the way we are. We don't do that at Meredith's house. Meredith's house is just, we're we just a bit more grown up at Meredith's house. <laughs> that's not true. We, we take our time. We, we, you know, we sit down. We, we, you know, we just watch it. We just, and it's still, it's fun. It's fun. Every family has some distinct things about themselves. Some of you guys are thinking about your own family. And and, and, that time you had to bring your girlfriend or your boyfriend over to your family's house. And all the things you had to tell them before you walked in the door. (laughs) Right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? There's something about my family you need to know. But what what did Paul say? He said, you're not just citizens. You're part of the family. And there's something about this family that you need to know. That it is a family built on Jesus. It is a family that's built upon the cornerstone of Christ. And that that family, that is the distinction that we carry everywhere we go. Not just here at C3, but at every church. The distinguishing characteristic of this family is that Jesus is the main thing. Amen. And that he hangs out here, that he lives here, that he dwells, that's his kitchen table, and that's his bedroom, and that's his living room, and that's his couch, and you can sit on it because he actually likes having you here, and he wants you to be a part of this family, and he's adding on to the house so that you can find your room and find your place. He, this is his house, and he lives here. And if we don't notice that when we gather together, then we've got some work to do. Because what we really want and what we really need and what we really desire is that when we gather together as people, that God is here. Now again, another word that kind of gets a bit difficult to read because it's one of those words you wish was just like uh, just easier, is in verse 20 it says, "We are his house, built. I don't like being built. I don't know maybe you do. Maybe you like God, like shaping you and chiseling you, and like moving some stuff around so you fit in this place. And the Bible's talking about this is a this is a brick by brick wall being built, stone by stone being placed together. And there's something about being built that can kind of be uncomfortable at times. That's why I actually don't think you find out who you are in Christ until you find out uh, until you begin to do that with community. Because, because I, I'm just telling you, um, you don't get to like, really see what the Holy Spirit's producing. And you know, you know this fruit thing that you read about in Galatians that Paul talks about, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that whole, whole thing. Like, you don't really find out if you have those until you're around other people. <laughs> Especially the people that you don't love. Especially the people that don't bring joy into your life. Especially the people that need from you Patience. Like, listen, I'm just telling you, when you try to follow Jesus without doing it next to people, you will never become who God's called you to become. It's why we read this Bible sometimes and we get it wrong because we read this Bible and we read it as though Paul is saying you. But what he's actually saying is you. This is a letter to a group of people, not just to a person. Now, there are some things about this that you should take very personally. But there's also some things about this that you should take very corporately. That that if we're being built together, that that probably means there's more than just me. And if I'm being built, then I'm probably being put next to bricks that I didn't get to choose. You ever felt like there's some bricks in your life that you did not put there? And you think God is punishing you? No. He's shaping you and molding you and making you into a person who can become part of his family and a person that becomes part of his house so that he can dwell in such a way that brings life and hope to those who might see it. In fact, I would think if all we are is a bunch of people that look exactly the same, then the grace of God has not actually been realized in this place. Then the goodness and the patience and the love of Christ has not actually made its way into who we are. Because the diversity of the church, the different ages and the different backgrounds, and the different seasons, and the different struggles, and the different views on things, and the different the the, the, the diversity of it is what makes it so amazing. That somehow all these people who are very different, who have very different wants, and have very different vision, and have very different political views, and have very different backgrounds, and have very different stuff going on. And very di- Man, the thing that makes it so amazing is that all of those people can get in one place and be united around one thing. And that's the grace and good news of Jesus Christ. This should be a place where people feel like they can come in and experience God and realize that they are different, and that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. In fact, Paul goes on in Ephesians to say, when you do what you're called to do, it helps me do what I'm called to do. It's really important that you do what you're called to do, not what I'm called to do. And it's really important that I do what I'm called to do and not what you're called to do because that is what actually makes this thing work so well is that you're the brick that you're meant to be and I'm the brick that I'm meant to be so that we can be a place where the presence of God actually hangs out, dwells, and lives. And it's in that community that we fully experience God's presence and we fully express God's presence. This is not just so we can hang out and know God really well and just know God really well and just us know God really well. It's actually so that we can know God so well that because of that, we walk out of this place and we then begin to see other people learn about who God really is. It's a God who loves people, a God who created people for a purpose and a reason. So, this built word, you kind of wish some of those types of words would be like pushed out because building things is not clean, it's messy. It can be frustrating. It can be difficult. Hanging out with people that you don't always like. But God is shaping you and shaping us to be a place where God's presence dwells. It is what makes us different that God is here. Not, not, not like, listen, I get it. Like we, we, the, the standard Christian thing is to say, yeah, God is everywhere. Except right here where I need him. God is everywhere. He's in all things. And God, is, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Like, he's, he's, he is in every, He's everywhere except the one place I really need him to be. So we'll encourage other people, man, he's everywhere. He's, but I really need him right here, right now. And so God is everywhere, but he is also right here. I need need us to hear that this morning because it's important for me to know that we are going to be a church that doesn't just tell people, hey, God, hey, God is everywhere. You'll be all right. God's everywhere. No, no, no. He is. He's everywhere. But he's also right here, right now for you because he loves you and he cares about you and he gave all for you. He is here. And where God's spirit is, there is freedom. Where God's spirit is, there is joy. Come on, where God's spirit is, there is an anointing. And anointing simply means God's presence to do what you were called to do. There's something that happens when God is present, and when we get together, God gets to hang out in a way that otherwise he wouldn't. Again, not to say you, you don't have him when you leave this place. There's something that us being here. So for us to fully see God, we need to fully see each other. And sometimes that's the difficult part. Sometimes we would rather just hang out with God by ourselves. Sometimes we'd rather just do our thing by ourselves, hang out. God, you just show up here. But and God goes, well, yeah, no, that's cool. I'm going to hang out. I'm here. Like we're hanging out. But I need you to go get with people because there's someone who's going to sit next to you today that just needs to see you lift your hands and worship and surrender because they need to know that I can be trusted like that. There's someone who's going to hang out with you this morning who's never had someone shake their hands when they walk in a building. For some reason, they just always seem to be the odd man out, and you're going to find them, and you're going to shake their hand. Maybe you're going to give them a hug if you're that kind of person, and they're going to, for the first time, sense that there's something different about this place. I need you to go and show up because because there's going to be some songs played and there's going to be some moments where where I really want to speak to someone's heart and I, I need them to know that other people are listening intently and pursuing him purposefully and full on just like I want them to. I need them to know and see that there are other people with the same wants and same needs and same hurts and same pains and same frustrations and I need them to know that it is not about them. It is not about those hurts and pains and backgrounds and struggles and sins and addictions and and, and frustrations and failures. It is not about that. It is about the simple fact that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And because of that, we can all be added to the house where God's presence will dwell. And in that presence is freedom. And in that presence is a fullness of joy. And in that presence is is an understanding of who we really are. And in that presence is identity. And in that presence is hope. And in that presence is a fruit that's produced. And in that presence is a gift that is given. And in that presence, there's something different. And I'm not saying God shows up the same way every time. I'm just saying simply this, that when we gather together with the expectation that this is where God lives, then our Sundays aren't just a thing to check off the calendar. It isn't just a thing to check off the to-do list. It becomes a place where we gather together to fully experience God's presence in community. There should be a difference, a distinction about this family. Let us never be a church where we are a hotel. Let us never be a church where we open the door to see if anyone else is already in the hallway. Let us always be a church where the door is open because we know that the people that live in this house, they are for me. They have my back. They want nothing more than for us to experience the presence and reality of God. Listen, I don't care where you came from. Not because I don't care about you, but because I don't think that defines you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care. Last night was a long night. You, you are not part of this family because you had a good night. You're not part of this family because you got no struggles. You aren't part of this family because you've figured it all out. You're part of this family because Jesus died and rose again and said, I'm going to build this house upon my qualifications. I'm going to build this house upon what I've done, not upon what you can do, not upon what you have done or will do. I'm building this house upon me and only me. I'm the cornerstone and everything is built off of that everything comes out of that everything is built out of that understanding that Jesus made a way and he's the only one who could make a way and he's the only one who could be a cornerstone in a house of imperfect people but still make it a place where God resides God dwells here not because you're perfect but because you've surrendered because you've given all because you said Jesus is the only one who's made a way. And I'm going to be a brick in that house. I'm going to be built into that house. I'm going to be built into that home. And I'm not going to allow where I'm struggling to mess that up. How important it is for us to be together. Let us be a church that is a home. We notice when people don't come out of their, their room for a few minutes. We would notice when the chair isn't is is empty and no one there's no one sitting there at dinner time. That we, we, we actually hope that when people walk in the house, people are lifted up and their joy is refreshed and their heart is renewed. That they're not coming home from work and they're going, man, I, I don't want to walk in the house. But no, they, they're going, man, I've had a long week, so I need to go to church. Because that's where home's at. I need to sit at that table. I need to get to that dinner party. Let me tell you something. this is not just about church where we got music. When you go to dinner party, man, there should be something about that moment that is different. because Jesus is lifted up in that moment, not your imperfections, not your struggles, not your long day, not your long week, not your long year, not your long life. It is not that that's lifted up in those moments that's Jesus. There's something different about those. It doesn't even have to be dinner, but it does not have to be a church sanctioned event. You could be having coffee with somebody. And guess what? We're two or more gathered. Come on. There I am in the midst of them. This is the home. This is the house of God. And the number one priority of this place is that God's presence would dwell. That God's presence would be here and active in every single one of us. That people would encounter the real living God. Because Jesus made a way for all of our imperfections to be built into the house, to be dealt with. See, sometimes you think your imperfections are the thing that disqualify you. I I, I would actually say that it's actually those imperfections that God begins to shape and use and get rid of and move on and just begin to mold a bit differently and and actually that little jutted part out of you, that that little piece that you just think always just stands out and people always notice that actually fits perfectly up against this other person who just seems to have that part that they always think is missing, that they always think doesn't work, that they always think is just, and, and God is able to functionally put that thing together carefully So that God's Spirit could dwell in your imperfection, in your struggles, and go, I'm here in the midst of all of it. So that you would know you can be free. You would know you can rejoice. You would know you have a future and a hope. You would know that you're anointed for perfect things, for good things, for a pleasing thing, as Romans 12 says. We are a contrast community. We should not look the same as every other gathering that happens on a weekend. We should not look the same as every other dinner party that happens on a weekend. We should not look the same. We should be a people that when we gather, the presence of God dwells. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you are here and you are for us. God, I pray that in this moment, like right now, you would help us hear and know that you're with us. That together, as a people, not just as a person, and what's so good about that, God, is that that I could have come in with just, just beat up, just tired, hurt, offended, frustrated, sick, got something I'm fighting, and I don't have to carry the load here. I can walk in, and this is home. I got people next to me who are pushing in, pressing in, going after it, lifting up Jesus. And in that moment, you dwell. In that moment, you're here. You live here. And so even with all my stuff, even with all the things I bring, you, you are here, ready and willing to work in my life in a way nothing else could. So God, I pray, even now, those of us in this place who are just hungry to encounter God, Lord, that we would, we would know that right here, in the midst of us, you are. This is your house. It's not ours. This is your house. This is your home. This is the place you dwell. God, I pray we are always a church. We are always a people who set about to make sure that it is your presence and it is your power and it is your freedom that is experienced that is known, that is seen, that is felt so that people can walk out of this place knowing, God, you are with them and so they can take courage. They can live with a full heart because you have not left them and you have not forsaken them. And every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every Tuesday afternoon, when we gather together, any time we gather together, it is a testimony to the fact that you are with us. with us in Jesus name